Good job, band. Good job. Let's make some noise for the band here as they're rolling out. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 8 is where we're going to be at. You guys are crazy out there on the old recreation field, and good job on that gauntlet. Who ran the gauntlet today? Who ran that thing? That was awesome. That was good stuff, man. That was intense. John chapter 8, where we're going to be at. As we're continuing to look at truth, what truth is, as truth is on trial a little bit here with Jesus. And this morning we watched as a dog got accused of stealing somebody else's tennis ball. We're going to read that story in the Bible here. And what happens there is all of them have sinned. And we're going to talk about what that word means here tonight. It says this, John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, and he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and sat down, and and he taught them. The scribes and Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees are just these religious leaders that didn't like Jesus because Jesus was making some bold claims like he was God. That's a big deal. These religious leaders that wanted to kill Jesus and trap Jesus, they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman had been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to throw rocks, to stone such a woman. So, Jesus, what do you say? Verse 6. This these religious leaders did and said to test Jesus, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus is saying, you're right. According to Deuteronomy chapter 22, she sinned. And the the consequence of that sin is somebody has to take a rock and people start hitting her with rocks. Not just her, the other person. All of those who sinned, they are supposed to die. So Jesus says, hey, you're right. She's guilty. So any one of you who's without sin, grab a rock, throw it at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote in the ground. Verse 9, when they heard what Jesus said, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, thank you for, again, your word. Thank you for this place called Hume Lake that you've set apart, that you allow us to come up here and have a good time, hanging with our friends, meeting new friends, playing rec, eating good food worshiping you and through through music and hearing from our friend this morning about what he's doing in South Africa. Watching dramas play out that kind of help us laugh a little, but also taking your word in a serious way. 
Lord, as we might be a little tired and maybe not wanting to sit too long, I just pray that we understand the weight of what sin is and what it does to us. May you get rid of distractions and allow us to understand who you are and what sin does to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So here in 8, G, they, these religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus because they know Jesus is compassionate. They know Jesus is going to have compassion on this woman. But Jesus tells them, go ahead, throw a rock at her, only on one condition. If you've never sinned, you can be the first to throw the rock. And one by one, they drop the rocks. Why? They all start to fall away because no one is willing to say they are sinless. This woman is clearly guilty. She's ashamed. She's humiliated. She's disgraced. And Jesus, and don't miss this, covers her disgrace and shame with his grace and his mercy. Why did they want to throw a rock and stones? Or why didn't they? It's because they said, and they, or they know, they have sin in their lives just like that lady did because they all know we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that word mean, sin? Where does that come from? Chapter 1 of the Bible, it goes back to basically the very beginning. And that's the word I want to talk about tonight, this idea of sin. What is it? And what does it do? So uh, here's, where, here's where it starts. So let's just kind of go from the, the origin of it all, right? In the beginning, God created, right? So in the beginning, God, we established that on the first night, right? We got this. We kind of all know this. Hopefully, we all agree with this, right? That in the beginning, God, life was all about him. Well, what did God do? He created. What did he create? Well, we read about that in chapter 1 and 2. He's created everything around us, including, wait for it, wait for it, da-da-da, us. All right, it's cute. That's cute, right? He created us. Now, here's what I want you to see, and this is why I, I have it here, because I don't want you to miss something very interesting, that God, who is holy, set apart, unlike anything you know, who's eternal, who's creator, who's good, who is fully hope and fully love, who's fully satisfying, who is personal, who is eternal, who is just. This God, who is self-existed before anything was created, he creates life, he creates us to enjoy him. You see, that's what we're created to do. In the beginning, God created, and everything was good. It was very good. And he says to man, and, and to, he says, look, you can enjoy me in this garden that I've created for you to enjoy. I just want to make sure you know how much I am who I am. I am fully satisfying. But listen, I will give you free choice. In all of the garden, there's one tree I don't want you to, t I don't want you to, uh, to eat of. Otherwise, you will die. Everything else is fair game. In fact, Enjoy me because I am what life is truly about. And all was good until chapter three, the enemy, Satan, comes in and he starts messing with the truth of God's word. He says to Adam and Eve, hey, did God really say don't eat from that tree or you're going to die? He's going after God's word and saying, man, I'm going to mess with God's word. I'm going to mess with truth. And then he says this. 
you're not going to die. In fact, if you eat from it, he knows you'll be like him. That's what we read about in chapter three. What's it saying? It's saying this, you don't need him. Satan in the Garden of Eden is starting to, in chapter three, in like literally the first page of the Bible, Satan is trying to get human nature to say, I can reject him and choose what I want to do. I can be like God. In the beginning, me, not him. And now they have a choice in chapter three. Do they listen to little lies from the enemy or do they listen to the God of truth? What do they do? Anybody ever have regret in life? Regret is a not fun thing, that's for sure. Uh, I want to show you the, you know, regret is that thing uh, after you make a choice, you kind of look back and be like, oh man, why did I make that choice? Allow me to show you the face of regret. You ready? Here it is. This is the face of regret. This is my daughter. We told her, we got her for Christmas once, these little... These little uh, toy spheres, and they're like a Lego sphere kind of thing. And it's got these little uh, sticky things that you kind of make this tower with it. Now, here's the thing. Whoever made this toy hates children, I think, because if it gets in your hair, it does not come out very easily at all. So here's what I said to Isley. I said, Isley, I said, listen, Isley, we're giving you these and enjoy it this toy enjoy this thing however do not get these anywhere close to your hair and she's like okay she dumps them into her bed and decides to lay on them right and here was a little video of me and my wife trying to pull this thing out So here's what I did. Being a good dad, I told her, sis, I told you so. I bet that hurts. And I just ripped them out without even caring at all, right? Hey, consequences. I'm kidding, right? Like, no. I, my heart broke for this little girl. And as much as she regretted laying in her bed with these things stuck in her hair, she regretted it. But the consequences didn't just go away. Now, yes, I could have shaved her head all the way down because these things were all the way to her scalp. Or dad could sit there and help one by one pulling these things out that were wrapped around each other. And you maybe missed it on the video. I was pulling almost with all of my might and you just hear it doing this. And it's ripping her hair. And she hated it and I hated it. And she could say sorry all she wants, but there's consequences to the things that we do. And that's what I think we need to understand tonight, friends. In the garden, when Adam and Eve have a choice, do they listen to truth or do they trade God for a lie? And unfortunately, what we as Christians, a lot of us in this room know, Adam and Eve decided to reject God and they said, no, nah, we don't want you and we're going to, we do want you. 
but we also want something else. And we're going to listen to these other voices saying, this is more satisfying than you. And they eat from the fruit. And we actually read about it in chapter five. That is, they eat, their eyes are wide open, and all of a sudden, guilt and shame starts to enter into humanity. Stop and think about that for a moment. Without anybody's hands going up, I wonder how many of us actually in the room have wrestled with guilt. I wonder how many of us in this room would wrestle with shame. In fact, in Genesis, it gets even worse as if it's, that's not bad enough. Genesis 3 says this, God, who I've talked about, is he is a personal God. He enters into his creation. He doesn't, he's not distant. He enters in. In fact, in Genesis 3, it says that God, would, he, he walks with his creation. He walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And this is a, seems to be a normal thing because in chapter 3, verse 8, God heard, and then Adam and Eve, here's the sound right after they ate and all of a sudden they're awakened and they, they see that, you know, they find themselves just having guilt and shame and want to hide. And then in verse eight, they hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They know that sound. Why? Because he would often do that with them. What are they doing? They're enjoying him. They're created on purpose for a purpose to make him famous, to make him glorified, to think about him, to be in awe of him, but also to enjoy him. They're connected to their lifeline. This is their lifeline to him and everything is good until they choose something else other than God. And here's the consequence. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees and the gardens. What are they created to do? Enjoy God, not hide from him. So sin, choosing something other than God, guilt, shame enters into humanity. Fear, hiding from God enters into humanity. And it sums up in a word called sin. Sin enters into humanity, into human nature. Adam and Eve started it with choosing something other than God. What is sin? That's an interesting Christian word that we throw out there. Sin is simple. It's this. It's a compromise. It's going against God's laws in our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our, our attitudes. If God says something and we go against it, it's a sin. And Adam and Eve, we could blame Adam and Eve for sin, that we're born now into sin, that we don't really have a choice, that we are sinful creatures. And we know that because when we were babies, we want our own way. We want to do things our way. And God's like, no, 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 it's my way. And it's from our, we're, we're just born into sin. And we could blame them. But let's be honest. If God gives us one commandment, which he gives us, you know, 10 in the Bible, just one, love me more than anything else. We just, we don't. It says, love God more than anything else always. And we just don't. That's a sin that goes against God. Now, again, I don't think I have to sit here and explain that we've 
all sin. That's the point of John 8. They all drop their rocks, right? They don't throw a rock at that lady because they know they've all sinned. Well, that's actually comes from the Bible. We know that to be true. John, uh, Romans chapter 3, if you don't have your Bibles, I've got it up here for you. Romans chapter 3, 23 says this, for we have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God of who God is, of his holiness, we fall short of that because of sin. And some of us think, okay, no problem. You're right. Christian, non-Christian, I'd imagine in the room, you're like, yeah, no, okay, so I've sinned. Is it that bad? Well, here, here's the problem of sin. And a lot of you might already know this, but I want you to let this start to sink in. The consequences of sin, according to Romans chapter 6, 23, is this. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We'll talk about that next part, second part, tomorrow. But I want us to really focus on that first line. The wages of sin is death. Wages are earnings. Anybody have a, a job out there, walking dogs, babysitting, right? Yeah? All right, so... Uh, uh, anybody have a unique job? What's a new unique job you do? What's that? A what? What? A what? Oh, bro, comb out a dog. Okay. All right. What else? Yeah. Hang on. Stop. Wait, stop, stop, stop. Hey, gosh. This is pretty good. I make French fries. How do you make French? Where do you make French fries at? Okay. All right. So listen, Hey, stop. Listen. So he makes French fries at Bravo farms, right? So how often do you do that? Uh, weekdays. Weekdays. How, how, how long usually? Uh, from like seven to four. Okay. So seven to four, he goes and he probably pills the potatoes. I'd imagine he puts them in a little fryer. He drops them in there. He makes French fries, right? Now, how silly would it be if after two weeks of working, he gets a little paycheck, right? And he looks at this paycheck and he's like, yes, thank you. I, I can't believe you gave me a paycheck. This is awesome. Really? Wait, seriously, I get this? I get this, this paycheck? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you, you worked for it, right? That's your earnings. That's your, that's your wage. And he's like, I can't believe I get it. Why would that be weird? Because he's not working for free. He doesn't just go and do that. He, I hope you get a paycheck. Okay, good. Otherwise, this would really break down quickly, right? But the point of that is what? The wages of your working, you get the wages. You get the earnings, right? We get that. We just don't think about it when it comes to sin. The earnings of sin is death. That's a big deal, right? One sin, one time I go against God... And I die? Yeah. Okay, so even that, some of us are like, well, that's not, I mean, look, Rich, we're, we're, in, we're in junior high now. We understand that death, it's a one in one chance that you die, right? Like, we all will die one day, right? We get that. Here's the bad news, friends. It's not just talking about a physical death. That one sin... When, when, when Adam and Eve chose to reject God and choose their own thing, that one sin, not only do they physically die, but they are spiritually cut off from him. That's a big deal. 
What are they created to do? Be with him. Enjoy him. Here's the problem. The consequences of sin is that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of that one sin, just one sin, is death, a physical and a spiritual cut off from him. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen. Even this, I think some of us sit in here and we don't understand the full weight of what just happened. This is a silly representation of a spiritual thing that has happened to those, all of us. One sin cuts us off from our life source. And you could say, well, that one sin, that's not that big of a deal. The problem is, is we don't think sin is a big deal. But rebellion, choosing something other than him is a really big deal to God. Rebellion, going against God is a really big deal. And maybe it's time we start to think about our sin is a big deal because it's a big deal to him. Why? Consequences. The consequences of sin is death, not only a physical death, but a spiritual cutting off from our life source. If God is personal, is faithful, is just, is good. If God is hope and God is love, he's not a little bit at these things. If he is those things, then sin cuts us off from that. And I have to believe that there's some of us out there that are longing for true love, to be loved and for true hope and truly to be satisfied. But the problem is our sin has cut us off from everything that that is. He is not just a part of love. He is love. He is the source of love. And sin cuts us off from that. And here's what's crazy is we can't come to camp and think, you know what? I'm going to come to camp and that will fix it. It doesn't fix it. What? But, but if I go to church enough, if I go to church enough, that will fix it. It doesn't fix it. Wait a minute. If I read my Bible, though, that has to ultimately get me back into this connection with God, right? If I read my Bible enough, it doesn't fix it. Why? Because, friends, the consequences of sin isn't read your Bible more or go to church more. The consequences of sin is death a physical and spiritual separation. And here's the problem. If death comes to every one of us, if death will happen to all of us, death will come. And if we die physically, apart from God, spiritually, we will stay that way for eternity. Let that set in. If we die physically, cut off spiritually from God, we will stay that way for eternity. And that's what hell is. It's a place where God is not. The consequences of sin is death, and it is a very big deal to God because he hates the consequences more than you hate it. Not only does it break your relationship with him, look at us. It breaks the relationship with us, with each other. And I have to believe some of you are sitting in that. You've been hurt 
broken, manipulated. You've been, you've been hurt by other people. That wasn't the intent. But sin has compromised not this, just this relationship, but you and I, each other. It breaks our relationship even with creation. The creation is screaming out, man, I hope, God, you fix this one day. You see the consequences of sin everywhere. We live in a broken world. I don't feel like I have to actually spell that out. I think that most of us understand that and feel that we live in a broken world. And we can't fix it. We can't do anything to fix this. The wages of sin is death. And I can't fix it. We might laugh, and I hope we aren't, I hope we take it serious, you guys. We were created to enjoy him, and sin stops that. And you can't do a thing about it. Because you have to pay for your sin. I have to pay for my sin. We need something outside of us to pay for our sin. I can't do it. The consequences of sin is a big deal. Rebellion is a big deal. I want something more than you. That's what Adam and Eve says. And unfortunately, with our sin, as we choose sin, that's exactly what we're saying to the Lord. I want something more than you. Here's a really scary Bible verse in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter eight, or chapter one, sorry. Romans chapter one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. Romans chapter one, verse 18 says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. What's that saying? God is just. And we want God to be just. If there's someone who did wrong to us, we want them to be punished. We want God to be just. We just don't want him to be just to us. We want him to be just to everybody else who does us wrong, just not us. Well, God's wrath is because he is just. He's going to pull out, pour out his wrath and, 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 and deal with the problem of sin. So it says, God's wrath is revealed from heaven who by their righteousness, their unrighteousness, they suppressed the truth. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them. It's plain to people because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that people are without excuse. That's a lot of words. Let me break that down. This is saying God's wrath is coming to people. Why? Because they've forgotten about God and they chose a lie. In fact, God is plain to them just by creation. Creation screams out, there's a creator. Some of us might still be lost. Let me, let me go down this road. If you came into the Hume Lake Road, right? You come around the corner and you see the snack shop there. You guys all have been to the snack shop, right? You've seen those buildings. You see the general store. Here's what you probably wouldn't say. You wouldn't say, whoa, all these billions of years 
In all these billions of years, I can't believe how the wood came together or even take this building. You walk in this building, whoa, I can't believe it. Just the posters on the wall, how they just sort of happened. They hung each other, they hung there perfectly. Whoa, this set, are you kidding me? This is incredible. After a billion years, this fire hydrant just was there perfectly and it made a little window. How did it make just over time? It must have made a window. And then it's perfect because the drum set fits perfectly in there with all the wires connected. I can't believe how fortunate and perfect that is. And it says this name and it lights up and look at these clouds. This is insane how it just all of a sudden over time was made. You wouldn't say that, would we? What would we say as we walk in this room? We're like, whoa, someone must have created this thing. They put thought into a hydrant. They put all these little things to make it look like a hydrant. Well, they put a drum set in it. They put wires in there. Somebody thought through this. This screams creator, architect. This screams designer. And that's exactly what this is saying. We don't have an excuse. This world screams God created There's a creator. And it goes on to say, they don't have an excuse. In verse 21, it gets scary here. Although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In verse 24, here it is. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts and to the impurities and dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is forever and ever blessed. That passage of scripture scares me. Why? It's saying this. People have rejected God and they trade God for a lie. And God allows them to do that. He gives them over to their own desires. And people that are searching for a cheap imitation of him, they'll never be satisfied. Sin has broken this relationship, and in that, then we want love, so we're finding it in cheap ways, and it's a cheap imitation of him who is fully satisfying, and we, we can't get there because of a sin problem. If given enough time, God will give you what you want, and that should terrify all of us. Jesus tells a parable in Luke of the prodigal son a guy who says to his father, Dad, I wish you would, da- I wish you would die. I want, I, want, I want nothing to do with you. In fact, as you die, I'm going to get the money owed to me. R- relax, hang on, chill. Just hang on a second, all right? It's not that dramatic. Listen. Listen. He goes and he says, I, I, I wish... I I want my money owed to me. I hope you take this serious. I do. We can have fun. We can joke around, no doubt about it. The 
prodigal son is about a story that I feel is a lot of your stories. And you can, oh, oh no, and make fun. But the reality is you choose the same thing. You don't say to God, I wish you were dead. You, you don't say it, but you act it. You say, God, I kind of want you, but I want these other things. And he says, you don't want those other things. And you say, I do want those other things. He says, I'm telling you, you don't. It will lead you down a dark road that you don't want to go down. And you say, "Uh, I actually don't want you. I want other things. And he lets you go. And that's the point of the prodigal son. Dad, I want something else. And the the dad gives him the money and the son goes and he blows out all these things that is worthless. And his money runs out and he comes to the end of his, the point, he has no more money and he's broken and he's alone. And he's sitting there and it says in Luke that he's eating like pig food. In fact, he's not even eating it. All these pigs are eating it because he's now at this point, all his friends have abandoned him. He's lost, he's alone. And he's saying, man, these pigs are eating better than me. I wonder what it would be like to go back to my dad. Would my dad ever want me back? And he's thinking about the consequences of choices that he made. And it says this. He says, I got to go to my dad and I have to confess that I've sinned against him. And in God, I've sinned against him. And at least in that moment, it dawns on him. Confession. I need help. That's the point of the prodigal son is he's starting in that point, in that part of the story is he, he, he thinks that life is going to be all this grand thing without his father and to come to realize he needs his father. But if given enough time, God will give you what you want. If you want none of God, he will let you have that. But just like Isley on the screen, listen, I could sit here and say, Isley, please don't do this. I'm telling you it would be a bad choice. But she ultimately has to make the choice and live with the consequences. And God hates the consequences of sin. And he wants you to hate it too. Why? Because ultimately what it does is it breaks your relationship with him. And there's nothing you can do to fix it. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't come to camp enough to fix it. Why? Because the consequences of sin is death, a physical and spiritual separation from your life source. And everything else is a cheap imitation of him. And it's really hard to end a night message on this. But the problem is, I think we, we run too fast to the next thing. We need to sit in the wait and understand we need help. And sin will always over, over promise and always under deliver, always. It will always want you leaving, leave you wanting more and it will feel, you'll be left with guilt and shame and brokenness. And you're feeling, I believe, the weight and, and, and consequences of a broken relationship, not just of God, but what sin does to us and one another. And as a speaker, it's really hard to wrap up a message and leave it with that. Because I want to bring hope. But I have to, we have to understand that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is a broken relationship with God that you and I can't fix. We need help. Someone outside of us. And the good news is we've been talking about him since day one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word. 
and he dwelt with us and he came to do something. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. The good news. But before we get there, friends, may we understand the weight of our consequences or the weight in our, of our choices and the consequences of sin. It's a very big deal to God. And maybe tonight is the first time in a long time you take your sin serious because it's a big deal to him with devastating consequences. May sin be a big deal to us. Let me pray for us. Lord, uh, I think about that story in John where people were so quick to throw rocks until they remembered that they also have sinned, that all of us have sinned. We all need mercy. We all need grace. We all need help. But at least they sat in their sin for a little bit. Thank you for the prodigal son story that is so intense. Somebody would say that to their father, I want my money, and, and that the father would give it to them knowing that it would not ever fulfill and satisfy. And there would be devastating consequences. And Lord, I, I thank you for at least in that story, they stop and recognize confession needs to happen and they need to have that relationship with the father restored. All they can ask is for forgiveness. The father has to do the rest. And may we sit in that, that we need help because the consequences of our sin. May we take it seriously. And God, may we look to you to give us hope when we feel a little hopeless. It's in your name we pray. Amen.